0: My name's Todd. This is Gabby. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number six hundred and ninety-nine. We're one away from so the big seven. And what
1: are we gonna do next week?
0: I don't know. If I wasn't so lazy, I'd be like, well, "Let's play greatest hits from the first 700 or Or can you imagine? And I'll the be amount like, of- sounds sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> Which I don't feel like doing. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding and always remember our motto, which is the best predictor for child's well-being is self-understanding. Why well, I said that quick.
1: You did. and, and
0: I, That's uh, without caffeine in my system. Um, on today's show, we're going to talk about self-compassion great. and then anything else we talk about. Great. Um, but first, um, Team Zen, 25 bucks a month. We do these Zen Talks. We have these special speakers. It's community, micro-communities. Um... It's an app on your phone. Kathy's got a women-only group. It's really the best 25 bucks you ever want to spend, and you can cancel it any time. Um, some guys have been showing up in that space, which I especially love, because most of the time it's the women that are trying to
1: Yeah, there connect. actually have been more guys, haven't there? Yeah,
0: so thanks to the guys, and thanks to the, the girls out there that... Women. Sorry. To the women out there that are participating in our amazing community. I think we got like 92 or something like that.
1: So... Do guys my like when we say guys, yeah. does that mean adults? like because, guys is an
0: interesting term because I sometimes use guys when it's a group of people, men and women.
1: Right, which I'm working on that with my college students uh, to not do that so much. Um, but I guess my question is is like, because we would
0: never say boys. So, boys, well, I was told not to use that term,
1: correct? Which is why I I corrected you when saying girls. Would you know
0: why? I I don't know if you know why boys is not a good term to use. No, to men, I learned this from Mike Patterson, my good friend MKP is that's what slave owners used to call the adult men on the plantations and what they would do. Got it. So, if it's a white guy saying, Come on, boys, it's, doesn't it land. doesn't land. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, that's good. Thank you for that. Yeah. And so, but guys and men,
0: mm-hmm.
1: either of those, They're the fine. men you work in yeah. with their. Well, and
0: I actually like guys because with some men's groups I've been to, been a part of, which I love, like Mankind Project, it's always men. Like, men, let's go, men, 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 men. Uh, and for men living, I'm like, I should have called it guys living. Mm-hmm. Like, men just seem so like this is serious. Mm-hmm. And guys is a little more casual, more a little more low key. But sometimes I like to use the term men, but usually I like to use the term guys.
1: Yeah, and, and I know you are in a specific men's group for people who identify as men, so it, you guys can do that. Yeah. And I am learning in my class to say everyone mm-hmm. and well, instead of, you know, I'm using non-gender. This is why we words. should
0: live in the South, sweetie, because the problem would be solved. Y'all. Y'all.
1: I know. I've wanted to incorporate that. It just doesn't work for a Midwesterner. It doesn't. Unless you're from
0: But it's really... The South useful.
1: Yeah. Y'all. Yeah. I know. I know. There's
0: no Northern equivalent to that. Some
1: people say folks, but that doesn't feel right to me either. I just say everyone like, cause I, they get emails from me all the time and I just say, Hey everyone, Right. you know, the, and when they come in, Hey everyone, everyone's here. Yeah. But it is a lot of it's habits, yeah. you know, like of how we normally or how we were trained or how we said things before.
0: Everyone, how many syllables in everyone? Sweetie?
1: Everyone, three.
0: I think it's no? every one. No,
1: ev February.
0: Yeah, that's a different word. <laughs> every one. Every really? I don't know. I don't know.
1: But do you say every? Every. You say, you say every.
0: Yeah, it's probably every. You're probably right.
1: Why I'm saying February is when I see it written. I just
0: always say Should rue. You. We got one day left of February. Thank goodness. Mm-hmm. February, the worst month of the year. From a weather standpoint, in Chicago, living area. in Chicago,
1: even though would you do you think it really it's was fifty five degrees
0: today? And no, I haven't gotten the snowblower
1: out once. I know I didn't think it was that bad, and I think uh, you know February gets a bad rap in the Midwest. Like what about Valentine's Day? Yeah, I understand. We it's you know it's Black History Month, mm-hmm. it's President's Day, it's um, you yeah. know I think actually this week is Eating Disorder Awareness Week. I think February we. Um, the focus is, um, let's pay attention.
0: Yeah. That's why I qualified it with weather because you're right. There's a lot of good, good things that happen in February, even though Valentine's day is not really our, we don't really do as much with that as other couples do.
1: Um, go to
0: dinner, but it's just never that as big of a deal. Same as anniversaries. You and I don't go nuts over those dates.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, I agree. But I also do like Valentine's Day because it's not just about couplehood or romantic yeah. lives. It's about remembering to love people. What about
0: Galentine's Day?
1: I love Galentine's Day. Even though I've never, I can't, I can't, I can't say I've ever celebrated it. Like I, I appreciate it. first time I it. about it was Parks and Rec. Well, and I think they came up with it. Oh, really? Yeah. I think Leslie came oh. up with it. I could be wrong. I'll, I'll, we'll hear from you guys if I'm wrong. See, I just said you guys. I'll hear from everyone yeah. if I'm wrong. But um I think it's a Parks and Rec thing. Speaking of, I know you still have to go with what you're saying, but last night was the Screen Actors Guild Awards and there were so many people from Parks and Rec.
0: Sweetie, I'm surprised you brought that uh that award show up. <laughs> because I lost. You almost always win. But I do. last night I think I won seven to six to six.
1: Yeah. And I and Todd did win, so I have to like, you know, be uh have some humility and say, yes, I did not win. Um, but I. what I will say, though, on top of it is my losses, I was very pleased. Yeah. So I wasn't that upset because there wasn't like, oh, I was going to put this person. I was like so pleasantly surprised at some of the winners. Yeah. Um, that I was like, who would have thought Bateman was going to win? You know what I mean? Yeah. That was not, that was not going to happen. Who I've been watching this whole awards season. And the and I know Michelle Yeoh has won a few awards, but Kate Blanchett's been kind of cleaning up. And that was a surprise. And I was so happy. And I was Jamie Lee Curtis won over um, Angela Bassett and Angela Bassett has gotten all these awards. So it's been like a, I just was assuming certain things and I was wrong. You know, and sometimes you want two people to win. Like, let's be honest. Is there such thing as being the best actor of the year?
0: Um, That makes no sense. No. The fact that we're judging art. Yeah. Seems a little weird.
1: Yeah. It's, it's silly because they're all, anyone who's getting nominated for that award is amazing and deserves the recognition. We should just stop there. Just give the nominations and let's have a party and go home.
0: Yeah. That's not the way our society's built though, sweetie.
1: I know. Okay. So go ahead.
0: Um, We're going to first talk. About your Zen Parenting moment. Okay. And you titled it Whole, a- W-H-O-L-E. hmm And you start with a quote, Rupi Kaur, K-A-U-R.
1: Um, Rupi Kaur. Core. Mm-hmm.
0: How you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. Oh, that fits into what we're talking about today.
1: Yes, it works.
0: Yeah, we didn't even plan for that. Mm-hmm. How you love yourself is how you teach others to love you. And then you talk about, you have a picture in your office of two people sitting on a bench. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah. Well, I think I wrote the, uh, this is something that I wrote before that I kind of repurposed and because it kind of came up again for me with that sometimes people just assume that you're one way and they'll be like, oh, because you're this way, you like this and you do this and this is who you are. And this is, and I always would be, I always struggled when I would kind of share a part of myself and then people would say things like, well, that doesn't sound like you, or how can you, how can you be invested in this, but still like this? Or there was this contrast that, that would make others uncomfortable, which then in turn would make me uncomfortable. And what I realized was that, that I, this is just the, we are just a mix of things. And that the picture that I put, the picture that I say that's in my office is just a picture of a, a person who's dressed in all black and they have their faces painted. They look like, you know, like they love, heavy metal and a little goth and then a person who's like perfectly dressed and you know just more refined and they're sitting on a park bench together having an ice cream cone and i think the quote is my two personalities sitting together in peace or mm-hmm. something and that's like you can be you can be many different things and that's what makes us whole if you're trying to abide by a certain guideline of i am only this you know it, not only can that become a little culty um, but you may be leaving some pieces behind. Like I, there are pieces of me that sometimes I share with people and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like that's, that's something I like.
0: You know, when you talked about the two different people sitting on the park bench, you know what it reminded me of? Jethro Tull? No. Why was, what's that uh, all
1: sitting about? Sitting on a park oh. bench. Can't you see? I
0: you're you're mouthing the
1: words
0: and it's because uh, she gets all like leathered up at the end of the movie
2: she does get leathered up
1: yeah yeah i think we can go deep and did sandy do that for herself or did she do that for danny this is a something we discuss in the world. Is, is it something we discuss yes, in the world? Yes, I think women... I've
0: never had a discussion with anybody about whether or not Sandy <laughs> does that for herself or for Danny.
1: That's because you're pleased by it. You think that's a good call.
0: Sweetie, I'm very <laughs> pleased by that scene.
1: <laughs> I know. And that's what I mean is I think there's nothing offensive to me about the fact that she's got a cigarette or... or it, but is that who Sandy is? Is that a part of her? Or is she saying, I need to become like Danny. This is a big... And and if that is part of her that she's been repressing, then more power to her. But I think sometimes when we look back...
0: So what do you think? You've seen the movie. Is Sandy doing it to please Danny? Or is this a part of her that that you think was in there?
1: I think that I watched that movie when I was six or seven. Mm -hmm. And I think the message I received was not... A great healthy one.
0: Change your way yes. to please your man. Be,
1: yes, if you want to please your and and it wasn't and that's the thing is it's not just about wear tight clothes. It's just about like you know become more like what they are used to. Mm-hmm. Now the thing that people always argue with me about this is that Danny showed up at the carnival
0: uh-huh. with a Letterman sweater. Oh, you've had, a, had having a lot of conversations with people about <laughs> grease. Never had any of those conversations. What if you look
1: at our Zoom calls and it's like yeah, right? Greece yeah. discussion?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Tuesday, ten o'clock, Greece discussion. <laughs> that's the part of T-Zen. Danny wearing the letters.
1: <laughs> well, so that's always the counter argument. Is Danny decided to become? He was trying track and wrestling and all that. Remember, mm-hmm. so he was trying to be more like something she expected. So,
0: and then how is that hypocritical? I would say it's. Uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but the the men have the power. Like they're the more important ones. Well, I'm saying he, that that it's not true, but that's what.
1: What happened. does he do as soon as he sees her? He I takes have no that idea. sweater off. Oh, okay. He's like, he's not like, no, me too. He's mm. like, see ya. Yeah. I, you know, because he shows up and his friends are giving him crap. Did you
0: say he wanted to wrestle?
1: Yeah, he he tries wrestling. He Is
0: there a wrestling scene in that yes. movie? Yes. There's oh a part I in, see in
1: Greece where he meets the coach and he's like, I want to be, and it's kind of funny because he's got a cigarette in his mouth the whole time and the coach is like oh taking God. it out of his mouth and he wants to like do all these different sports and wrestling is one of them. Oh and God. then he figures out track and- Does
0: he like track? No. Because it's cooler? I
1: mean, he just figures out track and then Sandy sees what he's doing and I think he falls- and he's embarrassed.
0: I'd, I I should see this movie again.
1: Yeah. So it's just got you know, it, there's just some messages in it that, again, I was just writing a text to a friend. He he and I were kind of going back and forth about things being nuanced, and you know, it doesn't mean Greece is bad. It just means that it's a conversation yeah. like. In, and are there things, like something that people give me a lot of crap about is I grew up a Cubs fan and then now I, I'm a Sox fan with you. I'm still a Cubs fan, right. but I like the Sox. Does that mean that I've given something up or does that mean I've expanded? Right. Like, did Sandy give something up or did she become bigger? Mm-hmm. And these, and the only person who can answer that is Sandy. And Olivia Newton-John passed away last year, which was devastating to me. And not that she was really Sandy because there's been a lot of Sandys on Broadway, but, you know, who
0: knows? Who knows?
1: That's the bottom line to everything, Todd, is who knows. The
0: bottom line is we gotta play a little bit of this. Okay. It's electrifier.
2: You better shape up. Oh, because I need a man.
0: She needs a man.
2: When my heart
1: is set on you. So this is, you're playing the movie right now,
0: right? Yeah. Because that's
1: why there's such a big break between yeah. what he was doing. So he took a sweater off, right?
0: Um, no, he's got. A, oh yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah, he just he's just a got a black. Off.
1: Yeah, he's got a black T-shirt on now, yeah. right?
0: Yeah. So he switches quick. He's like, yeah. I'm He's like, with that.
1: did I really like? But to again, I'm opening the, the this point up again. But he was attempting to see the world through her eyes. Mm-hmm. She is attempting to see the world through his eyes. But I think. The sexuality won out.
0: Maybe we should do a pop culturing on Grease.
1: Oh, my God. It would be so fun.
0: I would have to rewatch it because I think I watched it when it came out once and not since then.
1: Todd, there's so much to talk about in that movie. Really? And then what if we did Grease
0: 2? What if we didn't?
1: Because I showed Skylar Grease 2 recently and she she didn't love the movie, but the songs mm-hmm. got very stuck in her head.
0: Yeah. Um, well, we also have Ferris Bueller and... Um, the Fugitive. fugitive.
1: Grease would be so fun. All right. I think we should consider that for the next one. Because, you know, I want to do Ferris Bueller, but you know, there's like, some, I'm kind of like, eh, I like it. I love it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay.
0: All right. Let's go. Um, so we're talking about self-compassion. Yes. So the reason Kathy and I just had um, breakfast this morning, and I don't know, we stumbled upon this topic. hmm and it's a topic I happen to be going through right now. My beautiful niece and I are going through this workbook called, uh, let me see what it's called. I got it right here in front of me. The Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook, A Proven Way to Accept Yourself, Build Inner Strength, and and Thrive. And I'm also doing this as part of a small batch in Men Living, which is a group of guys that get together, and it's kind of like a book club. And um, I think it's such an important Peace to personal growth. And mm-hmm. I think it's something that gets is undervalued. Mm-hmm. And I'll always remember one of my favorite teachers. His name is Jim Dethmer. He he was one of my mentors in when in a coaching program I did. And he wrote a big book called The Fifteen Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And he basically said midway through this four day workshop, he's like, You could throw this my book away. Mm-hmm. All this is about personal growth evolution be the best person you can be it's about awareness which is where am i You know, locate myself am i in a place of openness or a place of defensiveness because most of us get um hijacked by our emotions and we end up doing saying things that we that we don't regret we don't center ourselves so that's the awareness part and the other half he's like it's about acceptance not acceptance of others not acceptance of the situation but the acceptance of ourselves in whatever state of being we happen to be in right now. Mm -hmm. And I think that we as humans, or I'll use I statements, I as a human being sometimes judge myself. Sometimes I judge myself for being too withdrawn. Sometimes I judge myself for being too angry, too afraid, too sad, too whatever, and there's no acceptance. It reminds me of another book called by Jeff Foster called... um, radical awakening. And it's something about, you know, radical self acceptance. And we've done 699 of these podcasts. And I think self compassion is interwoven into each one of the podcasts or not each one, but many of the podcasts we've done in the past. But I think it's something that we that that there's not enough emphasis on. Mm -hmm. So I have this book in front of me. And instead, I actually decided to like, just you know that that artificial intelligence guy, whatever his name is, chat chat API. Yeah. Whatever, I don't know what it's called. Um chat, chat dot openai.com. Mm-hmm. So I asked this robot, mm-hmm. give me ten trivia questions and answers on self-compassion. Okay. So we're gonna see how you do. Oh. But before we it's do that, test. um what what if any would you like to share about self-compassion?
1: Um I, to me, it's foundational and it's like a starting point. And, and when I say it's a starting point, there is no end point with it because you utilize it in every aspect of relating to people. You you know, it never, the learning never ends, but I think it's foundational. And I think if you're trying to do things when it comes to self-awareness or parenting or um, being a more open-minded person. Um, person if self compassion is not part of the practice it's going to be really difficult mm-hmm. um i'm not saying it'll be impossible but you're going to have to figure out how to um how ha- you know i think the thing to understand is that the reason that we judge people is because we're judging ourselves yeah and so there you go if, that's
0: the, that's the key
1: yeah like if you are someone who goes out in the world and you're like Everybody's doing it wrong and this person bugs me and that person bugs me. It's, it, there's nothing, you know, that's very human mm-hmm. because humans judge. But how do you see that? Do you see that as being like, yeah, everybody else is screwed up and blameworthy and I'm not? Right. Or do you see the strings between the things you dislike about yourself and or that you wish you wouldn't demonstrate or feel or experience. And then you project that onto other people. And I think the more self compassion we have, the reason like when we sometimes people don't see the connection between the more compassionate you are to yourself, you will be to other people. It's not something magical. It's just very literal where if I'm someone who has a lot of emotional expression, and, and I struggle sometimes and have breakdowns or whatever, when I see my kids do that, I don't I'm not like, they shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, yeah, I do that too. Like, I understand that I may not completely know what they're going through, but I've been there and my compassion for myself around it rather than condemnation allows me to be compassionate toward them around it instead of condemnation.
0: And I think another way of saying what you just said is it's really hard to go easy, or maybe not, maybe we'll, maybe we'll dive into this. I was going to say it's really truly hard to go easy on somebody else if you're not willing to go easy on yourself. Yeah. And, and part of me is like, that's actually the opposite of true. Like if I lose my, if I lose my wallet, I'm really mad at myself. But if you lose your wallet, I'll be like, Oh, mistakes happen. No big deal. So mm-hmm. part of me feels like I disagree with what I just say. It said is it's hard to be truly compassionate towards another. If we're not first compassionate ourselves, I actually think it's much easier to be compassionate with another Than it is to be compassionate towards ourselves.
1: And yeah, I agree with you. Um, And I also think compassion builds on compassion. For example, I think a lot of times we get annoyed at someone about something that we've been made aware of that we're working on, but they're not working on. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, you know, I hear this from myself, my children, clients, you know, like, you know, this person has anger and they always talk about it and they're always sharing it, but I have anger and I'm repressing it and I'm working hard on it and I'm reading books about it and they should be doing that too. And really what we're doing is we're like, they should do what I'm doing. They should, this person should be more aware of their anger because I'm becoming aware of my anger and we want, and you know, and sometimes it's like not the healthiest way of being aware of your anger. Like I don't ask people for things, so other people shouldn't ask me for things. And it's like, Well, not everybody's like you and not everybody has the same experience. And and we were so, I mean, just kind of going off what you said, we're so hard on ourselves about things that we're like other people should be hard on themselves about things. But imagine if we switch that paradigm and we were like, I kind of understand why I do the things I do. Um... I kind of feel like I'm a human being, I don't kind of, I'm a human being and lots of different things come up depending on where I am in life in that moment. And that's what's happening with other people too. That's what's happening. And it doesn't mean that we have to be indifferent to it. It doesn't mean that we don't get to speak out if someone's speaking hatred or or, or says something racist like we experienced this week with the Dilbert guy. Yeah. Um, you know, you can have a stand on that, but there's also, there's not indifference, but there's like... What what is that? Is that un- misunderstood fear? Is that, um, you know, his he learned something early on that was such a lie. Yeah. And he... There's so... It's not about compassion like I feel bad for him. It's like there's a story there that is... Um, it's not okay. And we get to say it's not okay. But it's the process of understanding how human beings work. Yeah. And how they... You know, I always say to my social work students... Um, when you, a lot of people go into the profession of social work because they want to help someone who's been victimized, because a lot of times they've been victimized. And I'm totally down with that. That's a good motivation, especially if you use your anger wisely. But we also have to help the people who are victimizing. Because there's a story there, too. Yep. We don't, as social workers, say, you know, we need to have, you know, someone who's a prisoner. They need a defense attorney. Someone who's done horrendous things need sometime a social worker or a support system. And we don't like to look at it that way. But I hate to come back to this, but hurt people hurt people. Right. So we need to be social workers need to plug themselves in in every aspect of human experience. Um so I don't know. I just feel like I went all over the place. But that's, that's my thoughts right now.
0: You ready for your quiz? Let's go. Um, so for Okay. I'm not even going to set it up. Okay. As best you can, sweetie. Okay. What is the definition of self-compassion?
1: Well, I guess it makes me just want to use Kristen Neff's model of self-compassion because that's the research-based um, you know, model, which is it's three things. It's um, common humanity which means that we recognize that we are similar to other people and that what we've gone through, other people have gone through. So we we don't feel alone. Number two, it's self-kindness, that we treat each other like friends, t- treat ourselves like we would treat a friend. You know, like self-kindness is this sense of what would you say? The, the quote is always, what would you say to a friend mm-hmm. if they had this experience? And then the last thing is mindfulness, um, which you and i kind of debated this before i mean it's definitely mindfulness but the way i look at it is just focus on what's happening right now rather than say i said this i did this i'm experiencing this so this means something in the future yeah instead just deal with the experience you're having right now
0: instead of projecting instead of future.
1: projecting in the future but you had a different version of mindfulness
0: um my the my working definition i don't know where i heard it i certainly didn't Created, I i attach, I attach it to somebody else says something like, okay, I, I can memorize that. Mm-hmm. Like I literally like, can I memorize this? Yes, I can. Okay. Mindfulness is the ability to be aware of what's going inside of me and around me. Um, not without judgment because that would be a lie because we all judge as human mm-hmm. beings, but to. So it'd be with acceptance. With acceptance, I guess, to be what's going on and on around me, with some acceptance.
1: And I would, that, I think that can work with mindfulness too, but that kind of is how I think of self-awareness. Self-awareness is do I understand what's going on inside and then I'm recognizing how I'm behaving or how I'm perceiving other people based on what I'm thinking. So, but as we know, self-awareness and mindfulness have a lot of overlap in how they're utilized.
0: Well, I feel like I want to back up a little bit because if somebody's like, why do I have to learn about self-compassion? It's how to be in relationship. It's how to be in relationship with yourself. And it's how to be in relationship with your kids, with your partner, with your parents, with your teacher, with your coaches, with your employees, with your bosses. Um, So I just need to share that. Like, this is human behavior 101. Yeah. So I'm trying to, like, give people uh, um, begin with the end in mind
1: and relationship with yourself. Yes. And then with others. So it's like, it's this thing that, you know, if we can practice this with ourselves, it's easier to do with others. If we're doing it with others, we can have a better understanding for ourselves. Right. So it's not, it's not just one directional. It's, it's a cycle.
0: So you crushed the first question, even though it is written a little different. Self-compassion is treating yourself with kindness, understanding, accept understanding and acceptance when you experience suffering or failure. Sure. So it's, I guess it's this, and it's not like this is the right answer. I asked a robot, but it's more about usually when, when self-compassion needs to happen, it's when we're either suffering or we just failed. Mm -hmm. We just screwed it up.
1: Well, and it really, to me is glasses, right? It's our lens because our first instinct when we, if we fail or if something goes wrong is to be really Mm self-flagellating that in, and I say it's our first instinct Oftentimes, because we learn that as kids, or because we've pre- we have well worn neural pathways mm-hmm. around that, and that's just where we go. And then I kind of feel like self compassion for me is putting on a different set of glasses, right? Like where I am, like okay, how can I see this in a different way? I am. I am hearing your. Actually, Sorry, it's babe. not bad. It's not bad because you are looking at your book. I am, um, but. Uh, You know, how do I, and I think sometimes, especially if I'm sharing with you something that's hard for me, you probably notice my switch Mm -hmm. from I go where I really need to share something or I'm having a difficult time and here is my perspective. Here is my perspective. And then I don't know when it happens. It's not like I'm timing it, but there's usually a point where I say, listen, I understand where you're coming from. You're not wrong. And that is my you know, you'd say, well, that doesn't seem like a self-compassion thing. It is because I'm looking at myself thinking, how would I feel if someone was talking to me and saying, here's my point, here's my point. I would want them to understand that I have valid points too. So if I'm going to tell you I have a point, I also need to remind you that I know you do too. True. And so. Yeah.
0: just because, and this goes back a few weeks when we talked about Gaddis's model of listening, just because you help somebody feel validated on whatever it is they just said to you. doesn't mean you agree with them. Right. But it's important for us to make the other known that you hear them.
1: I know when people are saying things to me and they're projecting or they're saying, you know, here's how I look at it and you don't understand, I do I'm doing my best to understand and here's what I understand. And so if we know that about ourselves, yeah. if we know that when people are telling us we're wrong, that we actually have a perspective or a reason we thought that or we're in the process of learning, we want to give that to other people. Yeah. We 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 need to we need to offer what we hope people give to us. Yeah. Do you see it's you like a cycle? Yeah.
0: Um, the second question you already answered without knowing it was coming up, who's the leading researcher on self-compassion? Kristen Neff. Kristen Neff. And the only other thing before I go to the next question is that some people may attribute this whole idea as lovey-dovey, new age, whatever. And I just want to reinforce, like they've done enough research on it to know that this is science.
1: Oh, for like 15, 20 years. Right. So the way you say it is that the research has been replicated. Yeah. Like this This is not... She start... She... You know, if you've ever seen her TED Talk and we can link to her TED Talk, you know, she kind of starts figuring this out. Like how does this connect and having, you know, her experiences in life and um, she... Uh, her her child was diagnosed with autism, and when he was very little, there was she really struggled with behavior and how she was treating herself and him, and so she had a lot of personal reasons to investigate things. But she started to break down the difference between self esteem and what the self esteem movement was doing to like Gen X. Oh,
0: sweetie, we're getting to self esteem. Okay. Don't so you I'll, worry I'll about stop. that. Okay. And real quick, um, so I'm in my little workbook, chapter three. It says
1: so. Todd Scholastic has a new book called When Things Aren't Going Right. Go left. That's what I do. I know you do. It's a picture book that reminds readers of the power they have to direct their own path.
0: So the artwork was by New York Times bestselling creator Peter H. Reynolds, and it was written by debut author Mark Cola Giovanni.
1: The reading level is ages four through eight or grades preschool through third grade.
0: And the powerful story can apply to anyone of any age. So maybe even us, sweetie.
1: And you know what? I think this book, When Things Aren't Going Right, Go Left, could be a great graduation gift. Hey, everybody. Are you looking for a way to entertain your kids in the car or maybe just a way to wind them down before bed? Then you've got to try Pinna. PINNA is an audio streaming service just for kids that includes tons of podcasts, audiobooks, and more for ages 3 to 12. But really, it's for everybody because, Todd, you and I were using it in the car ourselves.
0: We did. Here is an example of the trivia that we did. So, sweetie, are you ready for a trivia question? I am ready. So, the category is board games, operation. Are you ready?
1: I'm ready. What is the name of the patient in operation? Is Fred?
0: <laughs> <laughs> he looks Did like a Fred Cavity Sam, Headache hatto
2: or Earache Egbo
0: Cavity Sam, Earache something, or the other thing Cavity Sam The answer is Cavity Sam S- Even with a name like that, players never get a chance to fix his teeth Oh, poor Cavity poor Sam
1: Sam Pinna provides a reliable routine you can stick with And something you can engage with daily or weekly
0: Plus, Pinna is a game changer for daily car trips to and from school or for weekend getaways. Uh, One of my favorite parts, it's ad-free and there it's screen-free entertainment.
1: It's a routine the kids can look forward to, and we look forward to, and it makes car rides more enjoyable for everybody. PINNA is offering our listeners one year of PINNA for 50% off. Just head to pinna.fm slash promo to sign up and use code ZPR at checkout. That's P-I-N-N-A dot F-M slash promo.
0: So it's only thirty-five bucks for the whole year with our discount. So you can't go wrong. Pinna, awesome audio for kids. And now on with the show. Oh, sweetie, we're getting to self-esteem. Okay. So Don't you I'll, worry I'll about stop. that. Okay. And real quick, um, so I'm, I'm in my little workbook, chapter three. It says uh, people who are more self-compassionate experience greater well-being. So some of the benefits of practicing self-compassion: less depression. That sounds good. Sign me up for that. Sounds good. Less anxiety,
1: mm-hmm.
0: sign me up, less stress, yeah. and less shame. Of course, yeah. What you get more of is happiness, mm-hmm. life satisfaction, mm-hmm. self-confidence, and physical health. Yeah. Like I feel like we should we should have started with that. Like that's why this is important.
1: And and I think that why we struggle with that. This is what I see in in personal life and also with trying to teach these ideas is we have been trained by our society, mostly by our capitalistic culture. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say capitalistic? Yeah. Um, Is that suffering is what we need to do to to move forward. Mm -hmm. We have to suffer to enjoy an achievement. We have to suffer to actually grow. We have to suffer. And we have somehow you know, that's why when a kid lays on the couch and I'm, you know, a parent will be like, they're lazy. They need to be doing more. They need to be working harder. They need to be moving. They need to be, there's no sense of, Hey, rest might be good for their brain or relaxation is helpful, not only to them now, but going forward in life. Like basically what we do in our cultures, we teach certain structures that benefit the capitalistic structure and then we get to an age or we get to a burnout point and then we try to unlearn all those things to take care of ourselves. And I think one of the points of our show for the last 12 years, why are we teaching our kids things they're going to have to unlearn? Yeah, That makes no sense yeah, to me.
0: Not, let's not teach them that in the Let's first not place. teach
1: it. Let's teach them how to be compassionate. Let's teach them how to have healthy conflict. Let's teach them how to speak up for their needs instead of having saying, go along with what everybody's teaching you in this society and then unlearn it at 42.
0: Isn't there something in Peggy's house, your aunt, my aunt, our aunt, that says it's easier to raise kids good humans than it is to fix adults or something like that. Yeah,
1: it's in her bathroom, yeah. Yeah. And she was a principal, and so it's like... It's easier to focus on, this is why Todd and I focus on parenting, because we could really just do a whole self-help thing if we wanted to. But the reason why in parenting it's so vital is not only are parents open and willing to hear these things, but they are, this is grassroots, right? Why do we get to a point where we're trying to help our Mm 27-year-old when we could have started talking about some of these things, feelings, connection, um, sense of self, alignment, self-compassion, when they were little, And teaching them about, you know, that who they are is enough. You know, I'm telling you, I really think, and I know some of it just comes from me or my parents or whatever, but Mr. Rogers had a huge impact on me. And if you go back and look at what Mr. Rogers was saying, it is not much different than what we're talking about. And he may have said it in a more simplified way, in a more play-based way, but he was saying things like, if you want children to feel good about who they are you have to tell them that who they are is enough you need to you need to revel in their diversity you You need to everyone
2: has lots of ways of feeling are you gonna cry sweetie no i don't think so And all those ways of feeling are fine They're fine. It's what we do with our feelings that matter in this life. (laughs) Preach, Fred. Fred, amen. I trust that you're growing in ways that will help you with whatever feelings you may have. When you're a child and when you're a grown-up. Yes. I hope you're able to grow to respect whoever you are inside. Here we go. Such a good feeling to know you're alive it's such a happy feeling you're growing inside and when you wake up ready to say i think i'll make a snappy new day it's such a good, oh, good old friend
1: I mean, honestly, and I... I and think, how many
0: of us adults don't do anything he just said,
1: Well, and including I, me? I, well, and that's... It, but you heard it as a kid. Yes. You know, it, it got... It, right. And that's the thing is my mom, who I've said this before on this show, but, you know, just my mom has said to me a number of times... She's like, he really had an impact on you <laughs> like because she knew how much I loved him as a kid and how much I don't think I was like walking around quoting him. I just believed him.
0: Yeah. And, and he touched a piece of you. Yes. That we all have.
1: Yes. It's not you a Kathy happen, thing. Yeah.
0: You happen to be open to the message.
1: Yes. And, and it I, resonated yes. because I was learning something different from my culture, yeah. which is be hard on yourself be competitive. and who you are isn't Win. enough and no, no, only number one counts. And and then I have-
0: No points for second place goose.
1: Right. Exactly. And um, then I have Mr. Rogers saying, you can talk about your emotions. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, and who you are is enough and, you know, and, and talking to kids about hard things like- I always wanted to talk about hard things, and everyone would be like, you can't talk about that here. And I'm like, but isn't that what we do? (laughs) Like, I don't understand this. Like, he would talk about divorce, and he'd talk about death, and he would talk about pain. And I'm like, that's really what life, there's where life is difficult. Mm -hmm. So if we can't talk about that, then we're going to have a lot of repressed pain. Obviously, as a child, I didn't have any of this language, but it's not a shock that I do what I do, because... There's, I don't understand another way. I was just saying something to Todd in the car about, I don't understand not doing it this way. And and I do understand because people are scared of it. I get why, but I also, the protesting about, no, let's keep hurting ourselves and others. It just seems like such a crazy argument to me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think it just makes, it just touches on something too deep. And sometimes, Todd, there's, I was just texting this to Scott, like, it's like a Jenga game. And if you start to pull out one piece of the thing of who you are and you start to examine it, the whole Jenga thing may collapse. People are like, I've built my identity on this idea. Or if this isn't true, then who am I? And I understand that. I've had plenty of dark nights of the soul, like where I'm like, oof, like this is, where is my foundation? And so I am not immune to that feeling. Um, we don't just have one dark night of the soul, everybody. We usually have a few in our lifetime. Um, and you know. Sweetie, what
0: about, um, this quote, which I love. I use it for my men's weekends a lot. Um, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek.
1: Absolutely. Which is the Yoda, Luke Skywalker
0: thing. Yeah. It's
1: what's in there. Go look at it. He's like, what's in there? He's like, whatever you bring with you is in there. You know, like you, it's actually quite neutral, that Mm -hmm. cave. But if you are afraid of things or whatever, that's what's going to come up, which it should. Like Luke had to figure that out. He had to like face his fear. And the things that were like, ah, I don't want to face that. That's exactly, I think that's a Joseph Campbell quote that you just said. it is. And so we, we don't have a choice. And then to add to that, Todd, is the thing I have in my office is the little girl, head to head with the monster mm-hmm. and it says befriend your monsters yeah. because they are they can feel like monsters and they feel scary but as soon as you not confront them in anger you're not going to have a, a a you know what's it called it's not a sword in, in Star Wars it's a lightsaber you're not going to have a lightsaber fight with it that's the metaphor But you are going to say, listen, because it's just a part of you. Yeah,
0: that's the part where we need to reframe our relationship with these different parts of us. Because whether it's, you know, I'll call it the messier, uglier parts of us, the judgmental one, the super competitive one, the mean one, any of these, quote unquote, negative parts of ourselves, it's really there to help us it's Correct. just helping us in a sideways fashion that actually doesn't help us at all but instead of pushing all of those pieces of us down or casting them away from us if there's anything i've learned over the last few years it's m- my ability to be able to really explore and be curious about these parts of me mm-hmm. and and instead of casting them away notice that they're here, notice that it's not who we are. Mm -hmm. Our essence is, our our heart center is the love, all that, the compassion. And if I could just notice it and say, oh, I see you there, judge the judger. Um, Thank you for being here, but you know what? I'm going to do it this way instead. Just like distinguishing, discerning, uh, disidentifying with these parts of us. Where, Where we get into trouble is the judger comes to the surface is driving the bus and and crashing left and right.
1: Right. Well, and I think of it as being one of two things, or maybe a mixture of both. Uh, one of it One of the things it can be is a part of you that was created to protect you. Mm -hmm. So it's a defense mechanism that you created in childhood that was necessary at the time. And so you are grateful for it because it protected you. It kept you away from people that were going to hurt you. It gave you the strength you needed to speak up in a hard situation. It allowed you to separate from something, you know, whatever it may be, or it allowed you to get through something hugely traumatic. So the defense mechanism is there for a reason. So that's one thing we need to, like, look at that part and have some great gratitude. Even though it feels painful, it was there for a reason. Yep. Or the other thing, it's a running tape where some... We were taught this by culture. We were taught this by our parents. We were taught this by somebody toxic in our lives. And the running tape is there. Even if we... You know, that's kind of what I see parents run into when I tell them about, hey you know, listen to your kids when they have something to say. And I see the parents wince like, no, I have to teach them I'm in control. I've got to show them that I'm aggressive. I've got to show them that I'm I'm to be afraid of me. And they have this like aversion because books and culture and media have demonstrated this like You overpower your kid. Think about moments in movies where the parent is finally like, and you won't, and all of a sudden everyone's cheering because they like batted down that kid. Mm -hmm. And the truth is that's not, that's a movie. Right. That's not how human beings really relate to each other. It can feel good, but you know, we're building relationship with our kids. We're not trying to overpower.
0: Are you ready to take a different quiz, sweetie? Sure.
1: A different quiz. Yes. Is it about a movie?
0: No. This is called the How Self-Compassionate Am I Quiz. So I okay. took this quiz when I went through the workbook like a month or two ago. So it'll be interesting to hear our scores. Is it numbers? Don't worry. I'm about to set it up for okay. you. Okay. I'm going to read these statements. Okay. And if you, and I'm inviting any listener to just pause, go get yourself a piece of pen and a paper. A piece and just, of pen and a paper. A piece of pen and a paper. <laughs> a piece of paper and a pen <laughs> and write down your numbers. Okay. So it's a scale. Number one, if you say one, that means almost never. Okay. And if you say five, it means almost always.
1: Okay. So five is the highest. One is okay.
0: almost never. Five is almost always. Okay. Let's see how you do. Okay. I try to be understanding and patient towards those aspects of my personality I do not like. Four. When something painful happens, I try to take a balanced view of the situation. Four. I try to see my failings as part of the human condition.
1: I'm struggling with this this three or four range because there's the moment it happens and then there's the moment.
0: Let's do the moment it happens, not after you catch you up to yourself.
1: Okay. Then the first one is a three. Okay. And the second one is a four. And then this next one is a three. Yeah.
0: So just for you and all the other listeners, mm-hmm. and maybe I didn't set this up, but it's not after you like... Get the lesson after you take a breath. Yeah. This is in the moment. Okay, so so
1: three, four, three.
0: Three, four, three. When I'm going through a very hard time, I give myself the caring and tenderness I need. Mm. Oh, God. By the way, you're scoring much better than I did.
1: Well, this one's hard because I am really good at that, but... My initial response is like everybody's, which is this shouldn't be happening. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I did, I messed up again. So I'm going to say three. I'm just going to.
0: When something upsets me, I, treat, I try to keep my emotions in balance. <laughs> three.
1: Two. Three.
0: When I feel inadequate in some way, I try to remind myself that feelings of inadequacy are shared by most people.
1: That I'd say a four.
0: Uh, for the next set of items, use the following scale. So, number one, so this is just like the trick that they do when they test you. Okay. So, number one is almost always. Okay. And number five is almost never.
1: Okay. Number almost always is number one, and number five is never.
0: Okay. When I fail at something important to me, I become consumed by feelings of inadequacy.
1: No. Um, so, five is never? Yes. So, four.
0: When I'm feeling down, I tend to feel like most other people are probably happier than I am.
1: Mm, Three.
0: When I fail at something that's important to me, I tend to feel alone in my failure.
1: Uh, That would be, I think, uh, so... uh, I'm going to say three.
0: Three more questions. Okay. When I'm feeling down, I tend to obsess and fixate on everything that's wrong.
1: No, I don't do that. I would say... so. 4 is the right way to go. I'm
0: dis- disapproving and judge- uh, judgmental about my own flaws and a- inadequacies. No, 4. I am intolerant and impatient towards those aspects of my personality I don't like. 4. All right, I'm going to I'm going to count your numbers up. 3 plus 4 is 7, 10, 13, 16, 20, 24, 27, 30, 34, 38. 42. Sweetie, you ended up with 42. Okay. And 42 divided by 12. Hold on, I'm going to do the math on my calculator because I don't want to think on a podcast. 42 divided by 12, that means your average is 3.5. Okay. Can you guess where I stood? You got a 42? Uh, I would say you're... And and just so you know, uh, overall the self-compassion scores tend to be around a 3.0. Okay. On the scale of 1 to 5, so you can interpret your... Interpret your overall score accordingly. As a rough guide, a score of one to two and a half, which is your average, Mm -hmm. means um, your overall self-compassion indicates that you are in low Mm. self-compassion. 2.5 to 3.5 indicates you're moderate. Mm -hmm. And 3.5 to 5.0 means means you're high in Mm self-compassion. So you ended up at 3.5, which is right at the edge between um, moderate to high.
1: I think that feels right to me because I think there are sometimes I can do it very, very well. But the truth is I have a tape and, um, there are times when I forget what I offer or do, and I feel like I'm not doing enough. And, um, there's not a lot of compassion in that.
0: Yet you still find yourself in the moderate to high yeah. on the self-compassion.
1: Well, I think I, 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 I say this, I would hope so because I study it and I practice it and I teach it. And so even if, I'm not, even if I'm not like five or in the highest category, it is something that I'm invested in every day just because of my job. Like I teach it to college students. You and I talk about it. I practice it with the girls. So it's not like I'm – it's something that I would hope I'd be pretty mm-hmm. good at it because I pay attention
0: so can you guess? So the I think highest you were threat the, I the, think you were three. The highest that you can get is sixty. The lowest you can get is like whatever twelve. Mm-hmm. You got forty-two, which averages three point five. What do you think I, my average was, or mm-hmm. what my number was?
1: I think you were like what was my number 42? forty-two. So I think you were like maybe thirty-eight.
0: I was at twenty-seven.
1: Wow, oh, you are hard on yourself, huh?
0: You think <laughs> I was at two point two five, so that is a low, selfish self compassion. Hmm. I wonder what everybody else's was.
1: I I do too. I do too. Well, and and it's an internal thing, you know, because one of the things that I, the reason I went backwards, it's like, what do I show the world and what am I really feeling? Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. Like, I'm not very reactive. I'm not a blamer. I'm none of those things. But what am I feeling inside? Because that's different, Mm -hmm. right? And I don't mean wrong. I mean like, I may say to Todd or to someone, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. And and I understand. And really, I'm having all sorts of inner dialogue around I'm not good enough.
0: So this is what's interesting. Um, And we're about to differentiate the difference between self-compassion and self-esteem. Sure. Self-compassion and self-esteem are not the same. Self-compassion involves accepting yourself with kindness and understanding, while self-esteem involves evaluating yourself positively. Compared to others. Well, it doesn't say that, but sure. I think I have very high self-esteem, and I think I have very low self-compassion.
1: So then the interesting thing about self-esteem is that self-esteem is really based on winning. And when you don't win, then your self-esteem is low. So you are basing your self-esteem on being better at
0: things Mm -hmm. than
1: other people.
0: Well, I'm certainly not better at you on self-compassion.
1: Well, you know... But my point is, is that unfortunately, self-esteem—you know—the whole self-esteem movement, what it has taught our kids historically, is it's a king of the hill thing. That being number one is how you get self-esteem. Winning the race is how you get self-esteem. Having all A's is how how you get self-esteem. And and not everybody can be that. Mm -hmm. This is where we're getting into. Nobody thinks their kid is average everybody wants their kid to be above average and to be in the gifted program and to be all these things. And not everybody can be that. Yeah. And so self-compassion is our our ability to recognize our strengths, realize where we, we aren't going to be number one all the time. And can we still love ourselves in the midst of
0: that? Yeah. For me, um, self-compassion, and I think we already said this in the beginning of the show, happens is how do you treat yourself when you fail at something? Yeah. And I am just not very good at that. I feel like I should never fail at anything, which includes losing my car keys to losing a pickleball match to whatever, like relationship struggles. When mm-hmm. we struggle with that, I beat myself up pretty fiercely.
1: Yeah. Well, and I would even, uh, I would, okay. The, part of the reason I struggle with competition, Yeah. I don't think it's absolutely bad or wrong. I'm not trying to disband competition but it can it speaks it's like what we were talking about with the sag awards at the beginning one person's going to win this this makes no sense in a classroom you're going to only have one person that gets the notoriety you're only going to have one person who can you know and again people say that's the world i get it i and if we want to keep it that way more power to us like you know i understand that there but that whole idea that there's winners and losers this is this is not that's the duality it it's like there are so many pieces in between. There's so many different kinds of strengths. There's so many different kinds of native geniuses. And we set ourselves up to fail by thinking that there's only one way to do things. Like I can be in a conversation with you and I may be pointing certain things out and you're pointing certain things out and we both have valid points and we're both offering something to the conversation. And there's not a, I'm a winner, you're a loser. I'm a loser, you're a winner. Like, that, that's too, but Todd, culture has taught you to compete.
0: Well, it's because what did I do when I was growing up? You competed, you were in sports. I was in sports. And so I'm that's fine what I mean. with a SAG Awards that just honors all the nominees and they play clips from it. Like I don't, I don't need a winner, but yeah, the Super Bowl and the World Series and all that, like boring. We need a winner and a loser sure. for me to enjoy it. Sure. So I'm just differentiating between art and sports.
1: Yeah. And I can see that. And that's why this conversation becomes really interesting, right? Because what we do is when our kids are young and they're being artistic and they're drawing purple, you know, people and they're drawing, um, you know, purple turkeys and all these things. And then we get them in first or second grade and we say, no, that's not right. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to be good at art, you ne- it needs to look this way and you need to use this pen and you need to... And all of a sudden, we start to compare them and say, you're creative, you're not. You're an artist, you're not. And all this is baloney.
0: Sweetie, I'm going to blame my classmates of kindergarten back yeah. from 1977. I know. We were coloring the Thanksgiving turkey. Yeah. I colored it purple, yeah. my favorite color. They said, turkeys aren't purple. I started crying, bawling right. my eyes out. I tell the story to my kids. They hate it because they think of... Their dad crying is a sad thing. And then Mrs. Corr, my teacher, said, oh, my God, what a wonderful purple turkey you've, dra- you've drawn. I still blame Conrad Johnson, Paul Gajavich, all the guys from my kindergarten class. Thanks a lot, guys.
1: And if maybe we didn't have that competitive streak about artistic, you know, integrity, maybe you would be the Picasso of, of purple turkeys and yes. we could have had like a, a big museum of your purple turkeys. Right. And I know it sounds silly. Like I know that's a silly example, but we're so limiting. And then we forget about all the politics that goes into things. And like, for example, one of the things that I understand is like someone who loves award season and I love the SAGs and the Golden Globes and the Critics' Choice, and the Academy Awards, I'm very aware that there's a political agenda behind mm. it. There's a total marketing campaign. Yeah. There is a you know going out and schmoozing, making people vote for you. And unfortunately, Harvey Weinstein really ramped He's that good up. At it. Shakespeare well, and Love. He, that was the beginning of a completely different. Experience. Who with, did he beat? Uh, Saving she- Private Ryan. Yeah. And in that, there's a whole book about it, you know. And so, my point is, is sometimes competition isn't really even competition about the art. No. It's about who's. It's
0: politics. It's politics. It's money.
1: So, these are the things that we, again, talk about nuance. But I think my point is, is that when I look at myself in the world and when I look at you, Todd, you have. Skills that a lot of people don't have, and you are really good at certain things. And then there's certain things that you're like, I'm still learning in this area, I'm growing, I'm curious. Same with me. There are certain things I'm really good at, and things that come really naturally. And then there's certain things that I'm like, I don't get that. Like, I don't see that the same way. And it can be simple things like reading a map, my left and right. Like there's some things that are difficult for me that I think would shock people because it's so hard. Whereas like when I walk into a room with people, I know how everybody's feeling. So it's like we have different skill sets and can we, but I think sometimes you have historically been like, I want all the things. Yeah. Like he's, you know, if, you know, we talked about this on the show, but just a reiteration of like, You know, I, I spent, I changed my career to be home with the girls and I was home more and I'm, you know, I kind of took on more of that role, but then now Todd's like, but I want them to come to me and I want me to be the person and I want that. And I'm like, you can't have all the things you're, if I put my time into this, I'm not going to have the career you've had, but I'll have this. And, and it's not about let's one up each other, but do you, you know what I mean? Like, can you honor your skills and then honor my skills? For sure. And then I grow curious about yours and you grow curious about mine.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I guess just to kind of close that loop, um, you know, when my daughters come home and say, where's mom? And want to tell mom about the challenging day they had or the beautiful day they just had, I did not invest in the way that you did. And, And I was probably more judgmental. I was probably more distracted, probably more distracted than anything else. Not so much judgmental. Um, I probably wanted to fix their problems more and you probably didn't want to fix their problems more. Um, so it makes sense to me. So I think a lot of guys out there or moms out there would blame their kids. Oh, how come they don't blah, blah, blah. Like I, I, I take responsibility for how this ended up. So anyways, all right. A few more questions. What are some common barriers to self-compassion? And if you don't feel like guessing, I can just tell you.
1: Oh, gosh, I don't even know where to begin Why do
0: people think self-compassion is They think they'll
1: be lazy. They think they'll quit trying. They think that that's the way that you become weak. Yes. They view self-compassion as a weak approach to understanding
0: ourselves. What are some practices that can promote self-compassion?
1: Well, it's kind of like what we talked about before about you know, practicing, you know, tell me if I'm on the right track here, practicing self-kindness, being mindful, um, recogn- self-awareness, recognizing
0: where we are, being less judgmental
1: of other people.
0: Self-compassion meditations, writing self-compassionate letters to yourself, practicing self-care, basically yeah. the same thing you're saying. Sure.
1: And that is true. Like there are meditations that are specific to self-compassion. Yeah. Like if it be, you know, the, um, the meta one, you yeah. know, be kind to, what what is it? May, I can't remember. You know, where it's like, you're kind to yourself yes. and you're kind to other people, then you're kind to your enemies. Yes, You know, that kind of thing where you're like practicing a sense of inner to outer. Yep. Um, and there's all sorts of mantras and stuff like that.
0: That's what I got, babe.
1: That's good. I texted you something right before we came down you and did. I thought it was, um, I thought it was good. Let well, me while you're see. looking at
0: that, I'm going to just say, uh, Jeremy Craft. he's a bald headed beauty painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. If you need any work done, give him a call 630-956-1800, avico.net. men living. Uh, if you, if there's any guys out there that want to connect with other guys authentically, um, check out men And then I also have a one-on-one coach for guys, Todd Adams,
1: So Dan Harris, uh, posted this. So this is what he said. I need to kick my own ass in order to be successful. That's one of the myths of happiness and success. The data shows that instead of an inner drill sergeant, you should create an inner supportive coach. It's not letting yourself off the hook. Mm. It's having your own back.
0: Mm. That's right? a really good way to f- finish this podcast. Yeah.
1: And I, um, I think, uh, and by the way, I said something wrong, but I, I just want to correct this because this is one of these interesting things in grammar. The data show. Did you hear me say the data shows?
0: Yeah, I'm just gonna keep saying shows because it sounds better.
1: But it's really a singular word, isn't that interesting? It
0: is interesting. I'm gonna keep saying the data shows.
1: <laughs> so, the data shows. So that I mean, and again, Dan Harris. He, if anyone doesn't know who that is, he wrote 10% Happier. He's a it's meditation great guy. I
0: don't like reading books that much. That's a great book. it, it flew by.
1: It is. And, and it really is just this idea. It's a paradigm shift in what motivates us. Todd, we were just having this conversation this morning about that. Really what motivates us is sometimes we say, I'm going to tell my kid, they're not doing enough. I'm going to tell my kid, they're lazy. I'm going to tell my kid that all these things about themselves. So they get motivated. And that's not how people get motivated. People get motivated by hearing. I believe in you. I trust in you. I see who you are. I know you have what it takes. This is what motivates people. And we, and they don't, and again, if your kid is having other issues, maybe they will not hear it initially.
0: Well, and I, this might be a whole nother podcast, but um, I guess I want to qualify that because okay. what's the, the drummer movie that Whiplash? Whiplash. So that guy uses negative re, the teacher uses negative reinforcement Correct. to get him to be a good drummer. Correct. What happens? He becomes a really good drummer. And he has a whole bunch of emotional baggage as a result so negative reinforcement actually can is quite a motivating factor But it comes with a whole bunch of costs.
1: Yeah. And I think that I always qualify these things with what does success mean? Yes. And you may get a kid to play drums in this amazing way that they've never played. But we were just listening to a Rewatchables about Whiplash, the movie, and they were talking to the director and the writer of the film. And they said they believed this kid would die by 27. Mm -hmm. Like, that's not success. Yeah. That's a kid who played Caravan amazing at the end of a movie and we're like, "Oh my god, he made it," but he's going to die in 7 years. That's not great. We we're not we don't want to push people to a brink where they can't function. There is no success in that success if he him playing a little less great than that can allow him to See the joy in life. Maybe have a relationship. Maybe be able to give back. That's success. Yeah. But we've got this warped idea. Again, it's the the it's the self esteem. I need to be number one. We think happiness comes from I'm the best at this. But look at all the people who have gotten that. Yeah. Look at Michael Jackson. Look at you know Justin Bieber. <laughs> Sorry, he's coming into my head just because you know he's struggled with some things along the way. He's doing okay now. But there are people who get to a certain height. Um, you know, I don't know, Michael Jordan, what ended up, you know. Well,
0: I mean, he wasn't, he's one of the best basketball players of all time, a decent human being, not close to a perfect human being, Mm -hmm. Um, was, I think it's very well documented. He was unfaithful towards his wife. I mean, how many NBA players remain faithful towards their wives, you know. It gets a little
1: murky. Yeah.
0: You get these kids who start with nothing Mm -hmm. and then they are elevated into the spotlight Mm -hmm. and everybody tells them how great they are. I think it'd be harder to, um, remain a good good human being under those circumstances
1: i know and for the people who do and who figure that out that's how they extend that's how they keep going is that it's one someone's like but i want to be the goat i want to be the best i want to be the greatest of all time but when the people who are the who have been the greatest of all time when they're able to really share they're like i may have been but i didn't feel it yeah i didn't feel any different and so people like but everyone's talking about you on the internet or you're on stage and there's thirty thousand people they're not feeling it they're internally they're getting the external but they're not getting the internal and then there's the people who can play on a stage in front of five people but feel the internal yeah and and are they not successful and so it is a can both things be true you know like can depending on who you are and what's going on with you you know it doesn't mean that you know, ah, 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 ah. Yeah, we i just i know we could i could keep going about
0: this um all right well join team zen if you want to be part of a community that's kind of amazing. That's my, that's my <laughs> invitation. It
1: is. It's an app, everybody. It's an app, everything yeah. in one place. Yeah.
0: Uh, keep trucking everybody. Thanks for listening and uh, be self-compassionate.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us.
0: You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.